where the mysteries of Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world, this is the Gravity Bros Podcast. I'm Alec Hester, and I am joined, of course, by my brother Lucas. How are you? I'm great. How are you, sir? Doing quite well, but I'm especially excited today, Lucas, because we have a special guest. The very first time we have ever had a guest on either our YouTube channel or our podcast It is my friend, Felipe Shimon. How are you? Hello, hello. I was traveling through Oregon. I saw this weird city, and I decided to come by and stop through. Um, I'm doing well. How are you two? Oh, well, we are doing fantastic. Um, For those who don't know, Felipe is the reason that we are podcasting in the first place here, because you uh, and I are part of, I guess, kind of a subculture survivor community that I'm assuming many of Lucas and I's fans won't know that much about. Uh, called the Rob Has a Podcast Universe. And you came to us because you were kind of working on your own podcast network and you wanted to see if we would do one for the Brazilian Dragon uh, Podcast Network, which is uh, what I always reference at the end of every episode. Um, And I I know that you celebrated your 100th episode recently. Congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you. And something Uh, that was interesting to me about that podcast is that you had your brother on it. Right? Yeah, yeah. We ha- Well, he came on in episode 101, just as like a second this is celebration part two. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm one off. Yeah. The reason I'm curious about that is because Lucas and I talk a lot about Gravity Falls and how we kind of relate to the sibling dynamic between uh, Mabel and Dipper. Yeah. I was curious if you, having a brother, you re- have related to anything in the series that you've watched as a result of being siblings. Um, I definitely can relate to aspects of it, like, uh, traveling somewhere for, uh, the holidays and like the dynamic changes on vacation. I feel like, I don't know if you can relate to this, like you have a dynamic at home, but then on vacation, there's like a, it's like slightly altered, um, for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if that's something you can relate to, but yeah, like, like the mentality changes when the family is going somewhere. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, so I can relate at times. I'm still trying to think. I think if I had to pick one, I stand Mabel more, but I know that I'm more of a dipper, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that Lucas and I both feel that way at different times during the show, whereas we would like to see ourselves more in a Mabel mold, but we can default to the dipper way of doing things. uh, And don't get me wrong, I see myself in Mabel at times, but I feel like, as a whole, I relate more to dipper than Mabel. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I think I think my policy is uh, when Dipper's likable, I relate to him, and when Mabel's likable, I relate to Mabel. That's what yes. I'm going with. So you're saying that <laughs> when Dipper's chasing after Wendy, that's that's when you most relate to him. That is when I do not relate at all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, someone's been watching. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. I love it. Um, well, Levi, <laughs> I'm a little bit curious about your Gravity Falls experience because I believe that you've started watching the show recently. Is that right? Yeah, I watched it all within the last month because you were doing this podcast, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna gonna binge listen to like the first three episodes. But I was like, wait, but I actually kind of want to watch the show, and I was hesitant because I don't do spooky like horror stuff does <laughs> not does not vibe with me. But I'm like, well, this is a cartoon. If I can do the Scooby Doo movies, which I do love, oh uh, yeah, Alec was like, yeah, you can watch this, you'll be fine. And then I asked Alec like. Okay, I'll watch. I'll tell. I told them I was gonna watch a couple episodes every night, and I like burned through this within two weeks. Um, so I recently watched it all, but I will tell you, I barely remembered this episode. I thought I remembered it, but then watching it last night, I was like, 
I did not remember a lot of this, so I'm going to try to dig into it and pick it apart with you all. Nice. So it's interesting that you say that because my first experience watching Gravity Falls was also kind of on a binge. And I am feeling that there are some episodes as we have gone through where I've remembered them really well because I felt like maybe we just watched the one that night, but maybe some that we've accelerated through. It's almost like I'm watching for the very first time. Um, Yeah. So my assumption is uh, because I remember I did not watch the the next episode the same night that I watched because I was like, oh, this one sounds spooky. I got to I got to watch it during the daytime um so i then this was probably the last that i watched in a set of episodes like all in a binge so maybe that's why it's a little foggier because i remember the time traveler pig really well like when you were talking about that on the podcast this one just probably was like the end of a long night of binging yeah there's a lot in this one too yeah there's so many things that happen and it's edited in a very quick style so there, I think that I had for just forgotten how much was jam-packed in this episode. Like, especially the smaller details. Like, I was like, I did not remember this at all. Like, I could tell you the basic plot. Like, oh, they had the little uh, crystal gems that uh, yeah. shrink and, and grow them. But because I remember looking at the title of the episodes and then reading the Wikipedia summaries when Alec gave me a couple options. I was like, oh, I like this one. I remember they shrink and grow. And then I was watching it last night. I was like, wow. I don't remember this episode at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what happened here? Well, I, I feel like that's a really nice transition to talk about the episode itself and recap it a little bit. So we kick off on our cold open and we see Gideon for the first time in a while, at least the first time where he's uh, heavily involved in the plot, right? I wanted he's to throw plotting up. revenge. Was that Lucas? I wanted to throw up. That was me. <laughs> uh, I did, I am not a Gideon fan. Like you mentioned that he's like, they got away with making a cult leader a child. And yeah. <laughs> he, he just like so on the on the Naomi movies podcast that we do, we talk about unhinged movies from our childhood. Um, <laughs> Naomi likes to say that she has a dropkick award for every movie, and Gideon is one who I would like to dropkick. Oh, that is oh. absolutely the winner in this. There's yeah. some other contenders, but I would agree with you. I think Gideon well, is definitely the most dropkickable. He's so <laughs> dropkickable. Oh my goodness, that's so interesting. Like, I can't picture another character in the whole show that just fits that mold exactly, or really any works of fiction whatsoever. <laughs> yes. He's very droppable, just based on size. That's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make it's that joke true. about Dipper. He'll be insecure. <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay, which is a, a great point, because Dipper, of course, in this episode, is very, very self-conscious about his height. Dipper and Mabel are playing chess here in the beginning, and Suze is asking for Mabel's help to reach for something, but Dipper is not going to be as useful because he's shorter by apparently one millimeter, and he is hot and bothered by this. So can I ask between the two of you, who's taller? Because I'm the big brother, but my brother's three inches taller than me. Okay, so it's really funny that you say this, because I feel like on... I don't remember if it was YouTube or this podcast... Uh, we discussed that I'm approximately one inch taller, and Lucas did seem pretty bothered by it, if I have to say so, bro. I was just going to pretty much make that exact same point, but without referencing it in the past and just doing it right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he's probably an inch taller, and I'm salty. <laughs> are you yeah, Are you so- both tall, tall? Like, are you, like, or are you, like, average? Or are Very you compact average. kings? I'm 5'11". Okay, so... So he calls that average, and then I'm six foot, and he thinks it's tall. I'm so- six one, and my brother's, like, six four. so... That, like, uh, I, feel, oh. I feel short, yeah. <laughs> I'm the Jeez, shortest person, all right. I relate now to the episode. Short at 6'1", okay. That's <laughs> so, 
Anyway, uh, Seuss is actually pretty sympathetic when Mabel starts making fun of Dipper and then Grungle Stan comes in and joins in. And I feel like Seuss is really cool in this moment. I agree. Yeah. Seuss is cool throughout this episode. I love Seuss in this. It took me a minute to warm up to Seuss because I remember listening. By the time that I was binging your podcast, you hadn't done a ton yet. So I remember you mentioned, and I wasn't super into the show yet. Uh, and I was like, Seuss is fine. I don't get what Lucas specifically is like all in about. But then like, he, as I watched more and more, I was like, oh, no, I get it. I get the Seuss hype. <laughs> um, and like I feel so bad for the dude because he's like oh we can't make jokes at Dipper's expense but like doing so he says like a tiny or a short like he uses one of those words and Greco Stan is like oh even Seuss is in on it and I felt bad for the dude because he was yeah. just trying to help out his friend well in, in the the read that he gives right after that is just so like genuinely emotional like no wait no I'm really trying to help out Dipper I'm so sorry yeah. he really tries to recover and you feel for him you're like oh no Seuss <laughs> Seuss is a very genuine character, um, yeah. but unfortunately he's unable to put a stop to it because they just assume that he's playing along with them, and Dipper decides that he's going to check Journal 3 to find out about height-altering properties that are deep in the Gravity Falls forest, so he travels, finds some tiny animals, and <laughs> there's, a good li- there's a good line where there's a mountain lion there. He goes, oh, is that mountain lion tiny or just far away in perspective? <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, and it's it a real map. It was far away in perspective. It was, but it lunges and shrinks because there is a size prism, and that is where we get the crux of the episode. So, have you guys seen Rick and Morty? I have not. That's another show. I feel like there's a couple shows that I need to watch in the animated world. But, yeah, uh, that's one of them. I've seen Community, which is the same guy. But yeah, like, yeah, totally. Okay. Um, the, just because in there's a Rick and Morty episode that has like the size ray gun, and it looks very similar. And the writer of Rick and Morty and uh, Gravity Falls went to school together and had a lot of influence in each other's writing styles. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if this was something they had a conversation about and both made their own concept in their own show. Uh, yeah, it's that's interesting. A... And I, I, of course, am less familiar with Rick and Morty, but Lucas is an aficionado, I would say. <laughs> yeah. uh, I know there's a Pickle Rick. That's like a very popular meme, I guess. Yes. I know, I want to know what Pickle Rick is. I've seen this too. Lucas, could you explain for the novices? Absolutely not. You, ha- you, ha- you have an education <laughs> that I have to take you through. I will not explain anything to you until we watch okay, the episode. My <laughs> assumption is that Pickle Rick is just like they get in some sort of like weird body changing device and he turns it to Pickle at some point. Technically what happens is Rick turns himself into a pickle, but it's so much more than that. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. Well, in this case, uh, Dipper, I guess, is not turning himself into a pickle, maybe just a dick. Ah, but I'm... Was that what uh, you were teeing yourself up for with that? <laughs> it was... You know, I wasn't until I said it, so oh, yeah, okay. we'll call it a tee up. But well, It was uh, good. I'm, I'm satisfied. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that we can make that past the censors. Um... <laughs> So Dipper basically takes some rocks from the prism to create a flashlight that he can use to either shrink or grow things. Um, Early insight from Journal 3, apparently this thing only works on living things, so he would not be able to do it on any kind of a prop, which, I don't know, I find that kind of interesting. I think it's interesting that we do have power limits that are defined for stuff like this. Because, like, a lot of people, I think, would criticize it for just being completely nonsensical, but I think it's not, and I think that those little power system things actually matter towards giving the show a little bit more, like, that suspension of disbelief feeling that you can fall into, you know? Yeah. Yeah, love it. So... 
Dipper, he starts growing with this thing and kind of just shows up and is like, oh, you know, I'm a little bit taller now. And uh, Mabel is not buying it. She knows this kid. She knows her brother and he knows all about Mysteries of Gravity Falls. So <laughs> I love this. She thinks that there's a wizard in the closet. That's her first theory. That, that Of all things to go to first, we're talking about an invisible wizard. I loved it. I, I was giggling. I was like, oh, Mabel, you silly goose. Um, looking for <laughs> queer wizards in Gra- Gravity Falls. Yeah. <laughs> and Mabel shines a lot in this one, too, with those... Every little thing that Mabel says is just delivered perfectly. Like, oh, an invisible wizard. I get you now, Dipper, you know? <laughs> yeah, so actually, something that's interesting about this, too, is that when she opens the closet to unveil the so-called invisible wizard... The plaid shirt in there is apparently the one that Alex Hirsch, the creator, always wears in real life. So they were poking a little bit at him by putting uh, this exact plaid shirt in that closet. And I love little uh, details like that. Oh, because he's the writer. So he's the invisible wizard orchestrating the events of the show. Huh? Oh, I hope that is the case. So I hate to do this, but now you made me think about it. I think that your theory might be real. Because the cipher this week, skip ahead 30 seconds if you want to solve it, is decoded as the invisible wizard is watching. So they are definitely playing with the idea. Why not have it be Alex Hirsch himself? Wow. That's, that is a cool idea. Dang. I wonder if there's any uh, like confirmation on that online that I can find later. Remind me, there's no invisible episode, right? With all the shenanigans they get up to in this show. There's no episode where they turn invisible. Actually, that's interesting. If they've never explored that at all, I am a little bit surprised because it feels like the kind of thing that would be perfect for Gravity Falls. And the show is very, like, ingenious in a lot of ways, but they can also play on those tropes. Uh, But they do it in a new and better inventive way, in my opinion. So, uh, I I mean, I can see a world where that happens. Yeah, I mean, they tackle a lot of, like, Twilight Zone-y concepts. Like, you know, the wax figure was something that I've seen in both Twilight Zone and uh, the Night Gallery. If anybody knows those old shows that I'm talking about. I know the Twilight Zone. Nice. Yes. I don't know the Night Gallery. That went above my head. It was like a spinoff, black and white, same kind of deal with the, you know, like episodic horror stories that were kind of weird and metaphysical yeah. sometimes. But yeah, I like how uh, Gravity Falls takes a lot of that. And I feel like there's got to be some invisible thing that I'm forgetting about. But I don't know. They only had two seasons, so they couldn't get to everything. Sure. At least we have the wizard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so something that we alluded to in the very beginning was the fact that Gideon is very heavily involved in this episode. I thought you were so, going to say uh, heavily drop kickable. <laughs> listen, I'm not going to get over that now that we've gone there, to be honest with you. Cold, the cold open that we referenced earlier, uh, it, it sort of set up everything that we were about to get, was that Gideon is plotting this revenge. And he was looking through Journal 2, which we remember uh, exists. Um, we don't know where Journal 1 is yet, we just know that he had that one. And he wants to take over the Mystery Shack. Early in the episode, he had tried to scam Grunkle Stan by having like a fake uh, prize that he won, and he was going to sign a fake check. But Stan was smart enough to like read all over it and just wrote like "suck a lemon, little man." By the way, I was blown away that Stan was that good at reading through the scam. Me too. I was going to say that was a really good joke because they really led you to believe that Stan was one hundred percent going to fall for it immediately. And he 100% did it. And it actually makes sense that he didn't because he should be the king of scams. He should recognize that from a mile away. 
And that's kind of awesome. I liked that. It was a great accent for his character to start off the episode. Yeah, it felt very, like, you said that he read it, and my interpretation wasn't even that. I just assumed he, like, is wary of everyone. But uh, I also want to live in the universe where he's a fast reader, so. Um, but I, I, I just assumed he was <laughs> wary of, uh, of, like, any sort of contracts. And they were kind of like, you have to sign this. And so he was, he was uh, hesitant. That's a great point. My first inclination was, this is out of character. But then I thought about it more. I'm like, no, Stan is the king of scams. So if anybody's going to be able to sniff one out in two seconds, it's kind of him. This is important because now we're going to start this plot of Gideon just going to the Mystery Shack over and over to try these new types of ways to get one over on Grunkle Stan. So this time he shows up at the door with some Egyptian super termites to devour it and that is thwarted in like two seconds it just takes stan like distracting him and sending the termites after him instead it just seems clear that gideon's bad at this you know something that i think is really interesting in this episode is when we get this intro and gideon says like zombies don't take orders and we see that he has the second book like that is a major reveal that is like gideon is shaping up to look like the main series villain you know is this the first indication that he has journal two or was that in the first episode he was in too it was in the first episode, okay. so, but but it was at the very end. Okay. So, so good yeah, correction on me on that. Mm-hmm. So not a complete reveal, but even still, like a reminder. Yeah, that that he's kind of shaped. They're kind of trying to shape him up as like the villain. We don't really have an alternative mainstay villain right now, and we're also getting him still being kind of silly and failing a lot. And I think that. I kind of almost don't know how to feel about him as a villain at this point in the series when that's going on. You know what I mean? Can I throw out a hot take to you both? I I hate Gideon. Obviously, we've established that he's drop-kickable. I really like him in this episode as a villain. I I actually think that he he served his plot well. He has one throwaway line about, like, Mabel be my princess or whatever. But, like, otherwise, he's, like, not super creepy, which I did appreciate compared to the first episode he was in because that's what makes it cringy and fully intolerable as opposed to being oh like this is a villain who i'm supposed to hate but i can enjoy hating at least yeah all his worst attributes aren't really in this episode like his culty leaderness or his like deep that's deep incel behavior yeah so we get some more of gideon when he goes angrily back to his dad's used car lot really little character moment here so he walks into his house And his mom has, like, a resting panic face. And in, like, three seconds, you get, like, 20 years of story that is obviously played for a gag, but is very impactful to me. Yeah. Gideon's abusive to his parents. Yes. Yeah. And so it's interesting that uh, I think, Lucas, you talked about the Twilight Zone. It reminds me a little bit to take a really deep cut of a Cornfield episode that some people might be familiar with where there is this child who has the power to just banish anybody to the cornfield, which we don't really know what it means, uh, just if he becomes angry enough with them. And all of these adults spend their entire life in active fear of this child trying not to be banished. And immediately, like, I got brought right into that with that three seconds of his mom's face. Yeah, I definitely see the influence of that episode in Gideon. I love that that you brought that up because I love that's such a great episode. And yeah, you're right. Like it gives the family's reaction to him reminds me so much of that episode. I didn't think about it. But yes, 100%. So Gideon goes to his room to threaten 
uh, Tiny Dipper and Mabel. That's right. I glossed over this. Um, but he actually ended up with the shrink ray because Mabel and Dipper started fighting over the height situation. And now they're in this little jar that he's carrying. So he basically took them to his room. Uh, like you said, Felipe, he still wants Mabel to be his queen. But he thinks that he's going to be able to get away with a little bit more here than he actually is. Uh, because he thinks maybe Dipper will tell the, tell him how he got the magic item. But Dipper is not having it. He blows a horn in his ear. And Gideon, like, up and almost just kills him right there in that moment and wants to. Yeah, he... Gideon definitely does give me some actual intimidation in this episode because, you know, when you see a kid that, like, is kind of demonstrating to be a little unhinged and, you know, he actually just has this power to have these people super small, like, I, I felt a little bit of, I mean, it's a Disney show and I know that he's not going to kill Dipper and, Mabel, Dipper and Mabel, obviously, but even still, you get that vibe that it's unnerving and it comes across that way and I think that's well done. Yeah. Yeah. And... Another thing is that he thinks that he's easily going to be able to just give a phone call to Grunkle Stan and say, I have your children. But Stan, being the horrible guardian that he is, he's like, nah, I just saw them playing in the yard a second ago. And it hangs up. So <laughs> low key, I wouldn't put it past Grunkle Stan to be like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Like, even I was almost well, thinking hold on now. Happened. I don't know about that. At this point in the series, I feel like he wouldn't care. He would rescue them. He'd, he'd care, probably. I, he, I, I mean, know. he obviously didn't believe him immediately. So he, he didn't, didn't even care check the to, backyard. He didn't even check. That's You're right. He, he didn't even show enough concern to look. But like, that's, I don't know. I'll bet if, I'll bet if he knew he would have gone. I'll bet he was just that skeptical. I, I don't know. He's been so sweet so many times. I want to give him some credit. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so, and, and back at the shack, we get a nice little character moment here where uh, Stan is complimenting Seuss for an idea that he had to have a maze of mirrors in the shack, which, really cool idea. And uh, Seuss gets to wear the fez and feel what it's like to be in charge of the mystery shack for a second. He just says, one day. Yeah, one day. <laughs> both nodding like, that's right, yes. D don't we, like, love Seuss here? We do. <laughs> we, we do. do. Well, it, the, okay, but what happens as a result of that is Seuss ends up getting shrunk because Gideon thinks he's, you know, Grunkle Stan. Well, I guess we'll get to that part at the end, but they don't actually, like, regrow Seuss later. Okay, okay, I'm not trying to jump the gun, but... You're right, you're right, you're right. Well, listen, let me guide you there so that we can make sure that we get into it's it. It's because... important to note in that point. Is Seuss the number one character who should go to therapy after the events of this series? <laughs> yes like that, that i want to track some... that's a real question now that i think about like, it who actually. needs the most therapy after this series that's a question i like to talk about like with my friends like which character needs to go to therapy the most i um, love that <laughs> i okay like, you know that's what? the unhinged discussion that you can hear on the brazilian dragon podcast dude no i'm into it so my thing is i think that seuss is too unbothered like, even True. when all of these crazy things happen, he's still in pretty good spirits, which you can't always tell on the surface, so I don't want to make assumptions. But how about Gideon's mom? I mean, she definitely needs okay. therapy. Like, they need some family therapy. I don't know, man. There's some scenes that Dipper... Dipper's been there for, like, almost every single majorly traumatic event throughout the series. He's a pretty that, good content. He's also, yeah. like, 12. So he's got youth poisoning also on his side. 
That's an excellent point. Uh, Speaking of Dipper, so him and Mabel are trying to plot their escape because Gideon decides that he is going to go and try to shrink Grunkle Stan. That's going to be his solution out of anger after he gets himself some ice cream. And he leaves his hamster Cheekums as the guard, which is clearly ineffective because Mabel makes friends with him in three seconds. (laughs) Classic Mabel befriending the animals. Yeah, I don't know what Gideon expected there. Clearly he doesn't know her at all. And, and he expects her to be his wife. Please. Yeah. That's true. He's like, come on, man. Get, get to know somebody for two seconds. But Dipper's ingenuity is still showing because he does have a plan to escape. And they are able to, like, maneuver their way into the living room to watch Gideon absolutely explode when his father tickles him. Yeah. Which is hilarious because when, when Alex says explode, he doesn't mean like when you tickle somebody and they just laugh really hard. He means he like starts laughing and then goes into a full on psychotic rage. And it's delightful. It's the unhinging that we've been mentioning. It's just in this episode, it gets worse and worse and worse. And it feels like this is a pinnacle moment, which ugh, honestly, it was kind of like uncomfortable to watch. His dad tickling him was his villain origin story. <laughs> Actually, so... I you know, out of say, context, that could sound really bad. Oh, no. <laughs> I gotta get this back on track. Tickling is <laughs> off... As I say, as I get right back to the tickling topic. But being tickled is horrible. Nobody... Who likes being tickled? Is there anybody? <laughs> I'm pretty tickled um, I want to ask now. Lucas a question. Did Alec ever aggressively bully you by tickling you? I hate to say it, but unfortunately, it might have been the other way around. <laughs> Yeah, I'm three years older, but if there was any kind of that kind of thing going on, it was probably not going to be me. I might have blamed him for something that he didn't do, but that was going to be the passive-aggressive way of doing it, as opposed to the proactive bullying, which he would have done unto me. Okay, that's a little bit true, all of it. I I love that we're unpacking this with a guest on, as opposed to (laughs) we have a chance to hash it out. We we joked about Gideon going to therapy, but is this the real therapy? (laughs) (laughs) Lucas, do we, <laughs> do we, just, do we no, y'all have a very healthy relationship from what it seems like, like just listening and like the way nice. Alex talks about your relationship and watching your show. Uh, cool. But I always mm-hmm. love to like probe and be like, oh, I want to I want to know like about like the the behind the scenes because like there is drama behind the scenes. You, no one has like most like Mabel, Rainbow and Unicorns. I don't know what you mean. Lucas and I have agreed on every creative decision that's ever happened on the show. I'm I'm just glad that you think we're (laughs) passing for a healthy relationship. That's remarkable. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, No, it's it's interesting (laughs) that you say that because, like, I do pride ourselves on the sibling dynamic that we are able to have, and I think that in the Gravity Falls canon, it brings that out of us too, where we remember, you know, we were Mabel and Dipper once, and we ended up, you know, maintaining that through all this time. But he's still a dick. I know that I can say that because I already said it once. I mean, technically it would air on television, so you're good. This is true. Yes. This is true. true. (laughs) You know, Um, I I think Alec and I have mostly been homies throughout the years. You know, I I think uh, some hilarious problems always arise, but I actually think we're pretty good about being civil. See, most times on this podcast, the tangents you go on are like the deep, like, science. Like last week, it was um, the time travel, like... I don't know what the, the physics of time travel and how it's like unrealistic. And then how you, Lucas doesn't like time travel and stories and you go like on this sci-fi route, but this time we're going internally and talking about like, family <laughs> dynamics. I love I, it. I, right. know, dude, I, 
I, I am into it. And it's funny because we do get tangential about that kind of stuff. I feel like if Lucas and I really did want to just sit here for three hours, there's so many discussions that we could have. But sometimes oh it, it's like we either there's not time and we're trying to wrap it up or I'm afraid to expose the kind of like heated yeah. debate that we can possibly get into That's if we fair. really went there. Um, one last throwaway question and then we can get back on track. Alec, I, I am assuming this is more for you than Lucas, but is there an RS Vetus dynamic or is it different? Like, if so, who's the RS and who's the Vetus? Okay. Oh, yeah. So Lucas won't know what this question means because he's not as much of a Survivor fan. Um, but Lucas, RS and Vetus are two Survivor players uh, who played together on the same season. And they're and, brothers. Yeah, and, and they were brothers. Uh, oh, okay. And, Lucas is 100% more of the Vetus, and I am more okay. of the Aris, in the sense that, uh, I, how do I say this? Vetus always seemed to be, oh man, Felipe, help me. Should um, I be offended? Tell me so right now, Felipe. Basically, the story between Aris and Vetus. Aris was, so Aris played on season 12, spoilers for Survivor. Uh, skip ahead 30 seconds, I guess, if you really care. <laughs> uh, so Aris won Survivor Panama. Then they came back on Blood versus Water, which is like the family season. And the whole story was like Vetus had been to, like he had um, addiction to heroin. He went to rehab. He went to jail. Um, and then, so he was the older brother though. And Aris was like the golden child. And Aris was, and Vetus was like the black sheep of the family. But on Survivor, it manifested of like, Vetus was like the scar. And uh, Aris was like the Mufasa kind of dynamic. Like that was, um, but in the end, Aris was the reason they lost if we're being transparent. So that's yeah. like the break. Like I'm not. I don't think Alec is saying that. Like you have the same issues as Vitas, but I guess maybe like you're the darker, edgier one, and Alec is like the puppy dog sort of one. I think that's, that's exactly accurate. right. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it there. <laughs> that, yeah. I think you just. I don't know the, any of the context, and it sounds like you described that really well. Okay, if you were if you were in a challenge and you had to knock each other off the water, and and Alec gave you a second shot, would you take a cheap shot at him and like? not stand up you would just like go for it before they said th go or would you would i get caught would you like try to like bend like cut corners to win only if i knew i could get away with it okay but, and chances are in that case you probably would and for the record i wouldn't <laughs> i would take the high ground anakin i don't yeah. know if you can get away with it then you're just playing within the rules of the game as far as i'm concerned sounds like lucas would be a good survivor player <laughs> <laughs> Lucas, you and I, amazing race. How about that? Oh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So back to Gravity Falls. That brings out the worst. Like, Blood versus Water, you're separated for a lot of it. But Amazing Race, you'd be, like, in each other's energy for, like, 30 days straight. Oof. Just you two and camera people. Ooh. I'd become homies with those camera people. That's all I'm saying. Oh. I would no, have just... so much fun. <laughs> I would have you laughing and... Alex is the kind who would have uh, like road trip games on deck for all the long car drives. I always have road trip games ready to go and uh, all kinds of fun activities that we can uh, spend time together doing. Doesn't that sound fun, bro? This is great. We ought to apply. Uh, you, if you could twist my arm into it, I'll make the application video look nice. Good stuff. All right. So uh, back to Gravity Falls. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, I have a really odd moment for one of my favorite moments of the episode, uh, and that's that after Gideon has taken off to go try to shrink Grunkle Stan, uh, Mabel and Dipper find a way to kind of like, is it kind of like a balloon that they're able to ride on uh, to, to sort of like take themselves yeah. into the sky because they're so too they, small to walk? 
from what I remember, they escape. Which the thing I did not like was they took a strand of Gideon's hair on his comb and like climbed down, and that was like nasty. I feel like they both need like big showers, like one of those like science lab showers. If you get chemicals on you, they need one of those. Um, oh yeah. Um, then they like somehow escape and they like j- go to the because G- Gideon's dad also owns like some sort of company. Like dollar store sort of thing. Uh, yeah, and, and he's like a car like salesman. Dollar sign balloon, right? Oh, you're right. That so that's exactly how we get there. So the th- thank you for getting me to the point of what the balloon was. It was very mindful. This scene of them soaring through the sky together as siblings to get to the destination and get there in time before Gideon has shrunk Uncle Stan. Did, am, am I crazy? Like, did either of you like get a kind of like mindful experience from this? Well, I think aesthetically, there was something cool about it. And one of the things that I wrote was that there are a lot of sibling, like, wholesome sibling vibes from uh, the two of them in this episode. And uh, I think that it comes really well in scenes like this where they're just, like, together doing stuff, you know? And miniature people sailing on a balloon thing. Yeah, like, I get a, I get a sense, a cool sense from that. I don't know what you mean exactly by mindful, but fulfilling, holistic, other general words that are nice like that. Sure, yeah. sure. I- I guess mindful, I I mean a little bit just like soothing to watch and comforting. Yeah, it felt like they were in a hot air balloon, sort of like going over the town of Gravity Falls. Um, I, I do want to point out that I love the like reintegration of the sibling dynamic because even while they're at like this high pressure situation, when they're in Gideon's room, they're arguing about who's taller and they take a little ruler and measure each other up just and Maple's still taller, so... Yeah, well, and then that resurfaces once they are now back trying to save their Grunkle Stan. They're actually able to distract Gideon and get the shrink ray, grow ray back, but they start arguing about how it's going to be used because Dipper still wants to be one inch taller. So, and as they're fighting, they lose the leverage, and now Gideon is able to take it back from them. And it keeps the theming around the sibling dynamic very present throughout the episode because it's not just like, like the re, I don't know, it makes it feel like the whole plot and sequence of events has reasoning. And I really like that just from a writing standpoint, because it's so easy to, you know, have a, especially when you're writing for a show that doesn't necessarily need to be anything outside of kind of formulaic, because like the story arc kind of makes sense. Like you probably know that they're going to save Grunkle Stan and they're going to have their sibling narrative play out but it still does it really well and it hits the notes in an organic way you know yeah Yeah. i'm actually curious to hear what you both think about who you think was more right on the dipper versus mabel side of this because they do end up having a heartfelt moment and they come together but the reason that dipper was upset is because mabel is kind of relentlessly making fun of him and dipper has shown to be very insecure about any kind of thing like that but Mabel confesses that it's because she loses to him so much. And he clearly does not even give it two thoughts. Like, he's perfectly content to just keep beating her over and over again and not consider how it makes her feel. So who has, like, more of a reason to be mad about this, do you think? Lucas, what do you think? So we were talking about the internal dynamic between Alec and I, and I actually did write something about this. Because I didn't necessarily... You wrote down in Journal 5? Is that your... your Therapy journal? No, no. Yeah, and my, my journal five, my personal Listen, therapy this is journal. a pro-therapy podcast. Let me just say that. I know we've like been like saying it. I just want to emphasize I agree, that like yes. I'm a big fan of therapy. I think everyone should be going yeah. to therapy. And I, like, when I'm joking therapy. about therapy, it's like in a lighthearted way because yeah. everyone has trauma. And some people, uh, Gideon, 
needs to unpack that specifically before yeah. they like be an actual cult leader growing up. So let me just specify that. I, I agree. And I would say uh, journals five, six, seven, eight, and nine, but Lucas, go ahead. Uh, and... yeah. That yeah, was read. Let's just say, man, Webster's has got nothing on me with my journals when it comes to yeah. that topic. But um, anywho, <laughs> what I was going to say is, um, Alec, I didn't know how to say this. Did you relate to the aspect of Mabel not being as good at stuff growing up? Ooh. It, is that, okay, is that wait. Shot? I don't mean saying... it as a shot. I mean it as a genuine question. Are you asking if I was upset that you were better at things than me? Is that generally like the, the vibe that we're going with here? If you, Yeah, sure. Felipe, I'm sorry that you have to be there for, for this. No, it's uh, fine. <laughs> um, to be honest, not really. But like, I want examples also. Like, what was Alex supposedly not good at? Well, I mean, just one off the top of my head. <laughs> just that you asked. Uh, Alec was into baseball for a while and did baseball for a little bit. And then I tried, um, and I was really good when I started, and then I wasn't into it at all, and I, like, quit immediately, because I just didn't like the team sport thing. I thought you were going to say you didn't like wearing shoes. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't wear shoes either. During baseball you know season. Yeah. You know what's fun? For the first time in, like, years, I am not wearing socks right now. And I thought about Lucas being my inspiration for that this morning. So just weird serendipitous <laughs> wow. moment there. Um, but, Lucas, to answer your question... I did and do love baseball so much, and I was honestly really excited to see you go for it because I thought that you were going to be great. And it was I was not jealous about the fact that you were better, but it did bother me that you quit because I was like, no, I want to see you do this because I know you're good at it. But yeah, subconsciously, it was also a little bit of like, gosh, I, if I had the talent, I would have stuck with it. Um, okay. so, uh, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of that. And Lucas was very athletic. Like he was a really good runner. Like he was a cross country runner in high school. How do you do that without wearing shoes? <laughs> Your feet get real tough. Listen, I'm not going to judge you because I have worn flip flops in the snow before. I, I lived in Boston <laughs> and I was just like, I don't feel like putting on shoes. It's just like a short walk. So I'm not going to judge you for not wearing shoes because I can relate. <laughs> I mean, it really does. I'm a big flip flop person. Like I don't like my feet being confined to things i'll wear shoes because i have to i feel like i'm so off the rails but it's funny because i am so i i was so pro not wearing socks forever but now i have a circulation illness where my toes have a hard time regulating temperature and i have to wear socks constantly now oh no i was gonna say we got a couple of foot breathers here No, I mean, that's how in the summer I can I still <laughs> prefer the barefoot. But uh yeah. <clears throat> anywho, the only reason I said that was because I actually kind of related to Dipper's not being mindful of, you know, maybe how Mabel was feeling about that. Because from his perspective, he's, you know, like zeroing in on his own issue with the fact that he's being made fun of, you know, this which is, you know, telescoping or what was the word? Tunnel visioning it a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um but whereas if he looks at the grand scheme of his relationship with Mabel, he realizes like, oh, okay, no, maybe I actually haven't been cool to Mabel consistently for a really long time. And she just did it once and I can't handle it. And it reminds me of this great quote, don't throw stones from a gl- glass house. And uh, uh, I like that. <laughs> I like that you saw yourself in that. No, speaking of glass houses, let's go to the maze of mirrors. So... Gideon is able to get inside because, you know, now both Mabel and Dipper have, you know, they've lost power. They're now stuck in the jar. But Gideon goes in to 
to get the person with the fez on. And as we mentioned before, whoops, it's Seuss. And now Seuss is small as well. Seuss, poor Seuss. This is better. Poor Seuss. Seuss is literally just there to be a homie and a good guy constantly and just uh, ends up getting shrunk. Yep, that's right. So they are able to kind of escape the situation because I think that what it is is that they're in Gideon's shirt pocket. Like he's got a little pocket square and between the three of them, they are able to like push themselves out of it. And Gideon is in the maze of mirrors now because that's where he goes to find Uncle Stan. But unfortunately, Stan is everywhere because they are mirrors. So he starts taunting him. I will say... Um, I when I did say the suspension of disbelief note earlier in this single moment I did have a second where I was like really a maze of mirrors just happens to be set up that is extremely convenient <laughs> but that's funny right I, I get into this a lot but I feel like that's what Gravity Falls sorts of does is they set up these very convenient situations because it's almost like the humor is the convenience they're making fun of the fact that it's so easy right that's fair. Like, I, I understand, like, yeah, okay, I, you convinced me. I, I take it. I definitely did have a moment where I'm like, okay, okay, TV show, Room of Mirrors, hearty har har, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. And um, there, there is a great moment. Well, I don't know if it's a great moment. They start walking around Gideon's body, and we get gross features that I really wish that I didn't have to see. <laughs> but Hey, you chose uh, to cover this show. <laughs> I, I did. You chose to cover this episode. I gave you options. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> hey, I told you the next one is spooky, spooky. I don't do that. Like I know. I for know. a cartoon, I was like, I watched uh, it once. I was like, that's the only time I'm ever gonna watch that episode. Oh my gosh. I so want to know. I so want to know what your what, what you think the scariest Scooby Doo villain is now. <laughs> well, I mean, should I should I take the moment and shamelessly plug my podcast? The Scooby Doo. Please do. I want to hear about the Scooby podcast. I do too. I talk about, so it's coming back from a long-term hiatus right now because uh, we were cross-country move, uh, just like trying to settle life down. But Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the Scooby-Doo podcast, we are watching uh, all the Scooby-Doo cinematic movie universe stuff. So like anything that is more long form. Um, or is under the Wikipedia page as Scooby-Doo movie. Um, so there are like go. some episodes that are like technically under the Wikipedia page. So I'm like, we'll cover that. We have done everything through Samurai Sword in chronological order. So like all the ones that like you probably grew up on, we've already done. Like we've done the live action one, the first round. And yeah, it's fun. Some of them do not hold up. There's Scooby-Doo and Arabian Nights, which was oof. <laughs> oh, that I was from 1994. Um, like, uh, yeah, it's a fun time. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, if you keep talking, I can try to come up with the scoop, the spookiest Scooby villain. That was a mouthful. Okay. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I'm going to check this out afterward. I love Scooby Doo. I watch YouTube yeah. videos about Scooby Doo a lot. Well, so we're actually going to do like a rotating co-host instead of like having one regular one. So y'all are both welcome. I know Alex already like on the list or something. I don't remember what, but nice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Felipe knows. I'm a Scooby-Doo super fan. It's part of the reason I love Gravity Falls, I think. like, there's, They're not exactly similar. What did I text you when I was getting into Gravity Falls? Like, it's Scooby-Doo meets something. Um, Ooh, you did, and I really agreed with the take that you were going for. My phone's in the other side of the Stranger All right, can, you two filibuster, and I'll find it. So tell me about Alex's deepest, darkest secrets, Lucas. <laughs> Ooh! Oh, man. I got a funny story. This is, like, rude of me. As the older brother, I feel like I should be 
helping Alec more, but uh, I'm, nah. like, I'm instigating. It's stuff. it's more fun from the younger brother perspective. Uh, one time when Alec was a kid, he tried to be a dog and bit a balloon and it blew up in his face. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yo, okay, you just pulled an Alec Jr. story out of the woodwork, and I have a lot. Is your dad named uh, Alec also? Uh, <laughs> no. So, Alec Jr. is... God, this is... We're getting everywhere today. Alec Jr. is what I refer to the younger version of myself anytime I talk about a very stupid or silly story uh, that I should be embarrassed by, but decide to retroactively own for laughter. Oh, and- Listen, if you want an embarrassing story, just Google my name, Jonas Clark Talent Show, and there's a video of me singing Down by Jay Sean. They didn't let me see the little Wayne lyrics because... Uh, <laughs> It was, I was in seventh grade and I was so upset. I remember being, because that's the whole reason I wanted to do this song. And of listen, course. let me just say I don't have good pitch. So uh, that it, I used to be so embarrassed by that, but now I kind of own it. I'm like, yeah, at least I'm on YouTube. Okay, you I go. love that so much. Thank you for sharing. And let me tell yeah. you that you said it, Gravity Falls, yes, is uh, Scooby-Doo meets comic books, which is a take uh, I really uh, like because it does feel a little bit to be like Gravity Falls is almost like graphic novelish in the way that it looks and pops. I mean, it became one. <laughs> right? That's what, well, yeah, I mean, they not only have Journal 3, but then they did do four episodes in comic book form and they look like they belong as a comic book. So uh, absolutely. Yeah. Are you there? I'm transmitting from another location. I think I've shaken whoever's following me. I'm back with another riddle. It says... If A is 1 and Z 26, then C is in the correct spot. Don't let it move again. These are getting more confusing and I'm growing paranoid. You must solve this. I'm counting on you. Um, so back to the maze of mirrors, Seuss falls and he just shouts, Tell my story! I tried pulling away from the microphone, so if that creates an effect, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he lands in a carpet and eats a corn chip. Yeah, Ew. he found yeah, it. He's like, I knew you couldn't hide from me, corn chip. So do you that think was this, his art? Do you think this would still be a, a like a C plot, D plot, if uh, in a post COVID world? Do you think he'd have that corn chip scene? I could see the corn chip scene being in Journal 3. That's the kind of thing that Alex Hirsch would have added in there at the end. Do you uh, think Gravity I'm... Falls is responsible for COVID? Like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that got dark. But Oh my uh, god, we put whoa. COVID in, in Journal 3 or Journal well, 4. Like, that's that's oh, like one no. of the mysteries of Gravity Falls is that it had this virus and then it like populated the world. <laughs> so, so Lucas, do you think COVID is real on a scale of 0 to 10 for Journal 4? <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. It's real. I'm not no, saying it's real. real. <laughs> Just saying it's, it's origin, the spookiness of Gravity Falls, and I don't know. Gideon <laughs> Gideon unleashed it. Yeah. Oh, Did man. Gideon create COVID with his hair? I think this is my headcanon. <laughs> Did Lil Gideon I told y'all he needed to get in, like, M- M- Mabel and Dipper needed to get into, like, a chemical shower. Yeah, yeah, chemical shower. And they didn't. So I think we found it. Man, I'm ready for a chemical shower. Uh, <laughs> Gideon starts breaking every mirror, which makes Grunkle stand mad. And he starts to worry about the shrink ray. He's like, whoa, uh, uh, all, right, all right, dude. Like, this is actually getting kind of serious. Um, and Gideon, I love this so much. Gideon starts laughing because 
we realize that small Mabel and Dipper have started tickling him, which is, you know, we get from the, the tickling arc all I the mean, way through. I mean, I told... I was saying they needed a chemical shower after touching his hair. After touching his armpit? Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. <sighs> Definitely COVID, straight up. I will be. I thought it would have been hilarious if Dipper all of a sudden got, like, you know how there was that whole episode that he couldn't grow chest hair? I would have thought it would have been hilarious if he was like, how does Gideon have armpit hair before I do? And then, like, more insecurity. Oh, that would have been such a great joke. That would have been a good joke. Yeah. I I wish that they... Do you feel like Gravity Falls was not allowed to be self-referential enough because they still wanted episodes to be able to drop randomly on Disney and have people not know what they were talking about? I will say, the show is, like, very easy to, like... Like, even though there's, like, a greater story at large, like, there are so many episodes that are, like, individual. um, was not serialized. It's the opposite of serialized. But whatever. I can't think of the word. Uh, uh, formulaic formulaic or- maybe yeah like you can drop in catch a random episode and like yeah there's a greater plot at hand but like unless it's like the back half of season two you really won't be lost sure and i think that is mostly the case and i i believe that they would have loved to have made it where that was not the case where they could have just had every single episode really depend on each other within reason um But, you know, there were some constraints by Disney, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I like that I could watch any episode. And, uh, yeah, what do you think about that, Lucas? Because I know this is something that we talk about on the show about uh, whether that's good or bad. Well, I I mean, I think that the, well, there is plot continuity towards the end of the show. Like, if I would feel terrible for somebody who was just watching, you know, Disney Channel one day and dropped into the final four episodes without having very much context or just enough for it to spoil your whole experience you know what i mean like so i I think that 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 level of plot i don't know i'm i love having plot in stories i'm usually way more drawn into plot than episodic things if that's kind of more the debate we're talking about um don't get me wrong though i do love like if i'm chilling like just a random like background episode of something that's fun to like watch and like then you don't feel like compelled to watch a ton in one night but like i've been definitely i talk about this on the latest podcast i did about jimmy neutron the movie jimmy neutron is a perfect show that you can just throw on a random episode and enjoy it whereas gravity falls like if especially if it's a plot heavy episode you're gonna want to like hit play next yeah definitely. Yeah. it's a good show to binge through disney plus to be honest like it's ideal for it yeah, um, yeah so, different different viewing mentalities, though, for, for what makes them both good, I think. Yeah. Sure. So as Gideon is being tickled, Stan, of course, doesn't know what's happening. So Stan is thinking, like, whoa, y- you know, you've clearly just uh, had too much of this. And he actually gets really, like, adorably uh, fatherly in this moment to me. He's like, it's okay, man. You're going to get me one day. It's all right. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I I, I know I'm an I'm an, I'm a formidable foe. You know, it's 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 cool. And he like, all right, okay. And then he kind of starts getting creeped out. He's like, all right, that's enough. And he literally yeah. just kind of kicks him, just kick rolls him out of the house. Hey, uh, drop kick. Drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, full circle. <laughs> Missed opportunity there for the creators too. Like, please. I but I guess it makes sense because Grungle was just kind of all right, all right, get out. I mean, he might not act like it, but he's, I mean, he does actually act like it, but he's a child at the end of the day. We're not going to like show adult on child violence. That's a good point. I guess that that is a really good point. Yeah. So (laughs) he's still a Disney show. I do forget. (laughs) 
Right. So he gets rolled out of the house. Dipper and Mabel have the flashlight. They regrow each other and hug it out. And then they decide they're going to smash the flashlight before realizing, whoops, we forgot about Seuss. And glue. Su- Lots I- of glue. <laughs> what glue? <laughs> yeah, they just smash the crystal to bits. They're like, now it'll never fall into the wrong hands. Which, by the way, is also silly because, like, that crystal was huge that they found in the forest. They could easily just go mine way more of that tomorrow. You know? Yeah. Like, it was oh. just... Or just carry Seuss to the location. Yeah. Also easy. There's a lot of solutions to that. But uh, I, I, no one wants to hear that. Um, no, it's actually funny because I was about to walk in and say, oh, that's unrealistic that they could just glue it back. Seuss would be screwed for real. But it's actually the opposite. Like, there are lots of avenues out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I it's still, it was a funny gag. I liked that it was shattered and then they'd forgotten about Seuss. I don't know why, because I love Seuss so much and it's tragic that they forgot about him, but it still is funny. <laughs> sure. And the very end of the episode, we do get a very important plot moment. And that's when Gideon tells his dad that he wants the shack because it holds a mystery that his dad could not possibly imagine. And they cliffhang us on that right there. No, no, no. Then his dad spoon feeds him ice cream. <laughs> and then they end that episode. <laughs> You're right. Had to make up what for the What flavor tickling. of ice cream was it again? It was like, not boysenberry, but something like only Gideon would like. No, no disrespect <laughs> to any boysenberry lovers, but I feel like that's not your go-to ice cream. So I love boysenberry jelly. I've never had it in ice cream flavor, but at this point I don't I'm even interested. know if it's an ice cream flavor, but... If you've ever seen Chopped on Food Network, anything is an ice cream flavor. Truth. True. So, What's, what's your go-to ice cream flavors before, just to continue ooh, the time? Yeah, I was going to say that if you didn't. <laughs> Do it. Lucas, you first. Um, so I'm dairy-free, so mine is a little bit adjusted, but I have this cookies and cream cashew milk ice cream that is, like, out of this world. Like, better than any dairy ice cream I'd ever eaten by far. It's so good. Are you vegan or are you just like anti dairy? Uh, mostly just anti dairy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I-, I was about to try to make a joke about, oh, you thought that uh, you were better than everything, but at least you, <laughs> at least I'm not lactose intolerant. I was like, oh no, he does that by choice. He's, he's yeah. not that either. Oh. Also, you are lactose intolerant scientifically. Sorry, facts. Wait, <laughs> Alex specifically or everyone? everyone. Okay, I was like gonna be the like... The human body stops developing the things for digesting lactose when you turn, like, seven or something. Yeah, there's something about how, like, we've all evolved to be able to take it in, but we weren't, like, supposed to in the beginning or something. Well, it's like right? drinking alcohol. You just build a tolerance, and it's less painful the more you do it. Interesting. Well, oh, I, that I, might I have... explain a lot, because I do love, like, milk and cookies, or, like, putting dairy things. Yeah. Like, like I mean, I cheese so is my much. love language, I joke about. Yeah, yeah, yeah you build a tolerance. <laughs> Yeah. But if you don't have a tolerance, then it really hurts you. So I can't even mess with it anymore. Yeah. That's the trap. My ice cream of choice is coffee ice cream. I don't like regular Ooh. coffee, but I love coffee ice cream. And pistachio I'm coming around on. Uh, my go-to ice cream. I used to be a big mint chocolate chip person. Ooh, and I feel like lately I like I've been coming out of that phase. But like growing up, that was like my go-to. Or like peppermint stick if they didn't have mint chocolate chip. I like black raspberry ice cream. But Ooh. I'm, like, I'm, I'm simple. I like any kind of ice cream if it's like not tart or sour um i like banana ice cream which i feel like is not a popular choice i feel like i I could do it in like froyo like soft soap maybe it makes sense there yeah i love banana desserts i would probably love it (laughs) i I also Uh, like any ice cream i'm very easy yeah give me ice cream all day like that's another thing that i could like 
eat so much and then put it away and be like, oh, what did I do? It was so good, but was it worth it? <laughs> yeah. So we've talked about favorite ice creams, but what about favorite characters? So Felipe, before Lucas and I got on, we talked about how we wanted to do this because you're the first guest. Normally, we give our mystery plaque points, our two for the character we like the most, and then our runner-up. And uh, we think we're just going to give you the same power, and it's going to get factored into the overall score at the end, and okay. your points are going to be worth just as much in the end. Do you ever listen to the International Survivor podcasts? Like, I don't Sometimes. know if you watch International. Okay. When they have three people, they, like, split it up differently than how they do two people. But I don't remember it off the top of my head. I want to say that it's, like, two to one but whatever this is your podcast your choice i was just trying to think of like out of the box ideas <laughs> no trust me i was thinking of the math too and there's still a world where this will get tweaked the important thing is that i know who your favorite character of the episode was and your backup yeah or at least who you thought was the best you know you can really use these points however you want to use them i'm gonna and i'll start with you who do, who gets your mystery plaque points best character yes i might need a minute <laughs> like i did that not is okay Alec, you go first, because I'll bet you're prepared, because I, I wanted to know what Alec said first, because I have four that I was debating. <laughs> so last week, I felt like I did Seuss wrong by putting him in the runner-up position, and I sort of wish that I'd put him in the top. So I wanted to give my two points for Seuss this episode, because to me, he was just so charming and authentic. Like, I, I loved that he was trying to be there for Dipper in the very beginning when people were making fun of him, like a, a real pal. Uh, I, I loved his moments when he shrunk and fell. And honestly, there, there was nothing about Seuss I didn't like in this episode, whereas some other characters I felt like were on and off for me. So uh, that that was my top choice. And I guess I'll go straight to my backup. Well, actually, I want to save my backup. I, so I'll tell you who I'm thinking of. So, um, I mean, part of me did want to come in here and be like, I'm going to give it to Gideon as a troll move, but he's like, he's not likable enough. He doesn't have any redeeming qualities for me. So I don't feel comfortable giving it to Like if he was like, a character we didn't like, but there was, like, something, like, redeeming about him. I think, uh, like, if, it, like, Susie from Phineas and Ferb could get, like, the redeeming points. But, like, Gideon, no. But uh, I'm trying to think. So I, I feel like I'm between Dipper and Mabel for my two and one. And it's just, like, who gets the two, who gets the one. Uh, oh, okay. I'm just struggling to differentiate. Because I think Dipper was more of an ass. But I also think... He, oh, sorry. I don't know if that gets <laughs> any sense. Um, but <laughs> Mabel... Like, also, like, I don't want to shame Dipper for having, like, body insecurities, especially at that age where, like, you're... So, I don't know. It's it's complicated, but I think at the end of the day, I'm going to give Mabel, too, because this was a win for her height-wise, so maybe a, a win for her points-wise, and then nah. Dipper the one. But, like, just being transparent, those are my two favorite characters of the show, and it makes sense because they're, like, the natural. And Waddles. Waddles is also up there. I love <laughs> I love ordering their points by height just to stick it to Dipper one more time. Yeah. You could give Waddles a point if you wanted. There are no rules. He was in the episode, technically. Yeah. Right? I don't know. No rules. (laughs) Oh, but I know, I don't think they're in this episode, but Grenda and what's her name? Coco? Oh, yeah. I love that. Is it Candy? Candy. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. I I, I do stand as well. Yeah. They need to go in the Amazing Race. Oh my gosh. Well, listen, the redonkulous race, right, Felipe? If we're talking the yeah. Total Drama podcast. Lucas, why didn't you tell me your mystery plaque winner? So the reason I had a hard time with this is because I w- I'm det- I wanted to give Grunkle Stan two points, 100%, because I just was charmed by him every time he was on screen and thought he was super, super, super funny. Um, and 
The only reason, I wanted to give the other one to Seuss, but I didn't feel like he had as much screen time as I wanted. And then I wasn't sure whether to give it to Dipper or Mabel for the exact same reason, because they were so equal in this episode to me, because I liked them both for other reasons. And I really have no idea who to split it between. So what I'm going to do is just split. Can I split between three for this one? Oh my gosh. Okay, you want to give... We talked about this before, and I was going to give you permission, so I guess the answer is yeah. If you really want to, you can just give three characters a tie, and they'll all get one. Nah, I'll do Grunkle 2 and Mabel 1. <laughs> this is what happened last time! I gave you the permission, yeah, and then you changed your mind. Yeah, I don't know. It's the freedom that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Alright, uh, guys, I made Gideon my backup. I did. Uh... You know, despite all of the great reasons that you gave wait, Felipe wait, 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 to wait, not wait. include it. Wait, you gave Gideon a point? Is that what I just heard? I don't know if Gideon will get another point. Um, and yeah. I'm not saying that I want him to. But I liked him as a villain this episode. I thought that he carried it. And I was je- I loved this episode. We haven't even talked about what we thought about it. Uh, this is one of my favorites of the series so far. And I remembered not liking it nearly as much as I did. I thought the premise seemed weak up from the get-go. Yeah. So my memory was that I enjoyed it, and that's why when you gave me a list of options, like this is my favorite episode of the ones. Um, I think it's like a clever title, also the Little Dipper. Like, oh, that's, true, that's a great title. Um, like I, I will say, like the last two episodes uh, that uh, like you covered before we scheduled this one. Uh, so not this last episode that you just put out, but uh, the Time Traveler Pig and the Irrational Treasure. I think those two were higher highs in this episode, but I think this was a fun episode. Uh, as well, I think this like middle season one where they found their footing, they kind of know what they're doing a little more. Uh, it's definitely like a high point of like my memories of the show. That's a good point. It does feel like this is the part of the series where they are starting to really find their footing, and then it just starts carrying from here. And I'm excited yeah. for what's coming next. Yeah, because like I think they knew what their arcs wanted to be, but I also think they might have figured out been struggling with the self-contained episodes, and I think they finally figured out their groove. Yeah. I always like to think that maybe that Disney has to like, or you need to win over Disney's trust a little bit too. Cause I felt the same way about Owl House when I was watching it. Like that I need show. to watch that show as a Latino. That's like irresponsible of me to not have watched that. It's, it's, you, it's so good. I've cried watching it multiple times. Me too. You will love it, Felipe. Like yeah. as soon as you have a chance for real. Right I, now, my animated show that I'm working through is Korra. Because Ooh. I actually never saw that. So I finished season Me two the other day. Nice. Um, and I like to try to have one animated show at the time. Like, I try to have one drama, one comedy, one animated. Oh, that's a good system. And, I like it. Uh, reality TV, I stopped trying to keep up with everything. I just watch, like, the ones I care about, like, as opposed to, like, watching The Bachelor to f- try to feel informed on pop culture. Yeah. I, I wish that I could say I did not do that. Wow. I just like, I, I wish. Alec, you need to watch cartoons. We're busy. No, I'm just kidding. Well, yeah. actually, that's true. My, my entire agenda is just cartoons or reality TV, and there is almost nothing else. I barely watch non animated movies. I've been trying to watch like franchise movies also that I've never, like, I've never seen. Oh, that's a lie. I have seen parts of Lord of the Rings at my friend's birthday this year because we Ooh. did the Lord of the Rings marathon, but I was also cracking jokes and on my phone parts of it. <laughs> so I was like, I need to watch that. But. Those are like my big projects right now, but this is not a Felipe podcast. This is a Gravity Falls podcast. <laughs> yes, right. and trust, trust us on Owl House. Um, yeah. So let's get into some insights on Journal 3. There's not too much to be found here. I kind of gave you the only thing that was really interesting is that we know that this shrinking or growing power doesn't work on inanimate objects. 
Or, yeah, I guess that's the best way of describing it. The other thing that I just thought was a little bit weird, he found a weird skull. So, oh, sorry. And I, I should specify, we are talking about what the original author wrote here, because this is what Dipper was actually reading in the series itself. Dipper himself did not add to his section in the journal in this episode. So there's nothing new from that part of the story. Everything is entirely what the author had put in. And he found a weird skull there and then speculates that these crystals were related to the 60-foot beaver attack of 1973, which, I mean, I think that's a gag. But I can't tell if this skull there was supposed to be, like, a joke referencing that beaver or it was supposed to be, like, a skull pointing to something else that's hidden in the show. I'm honestly not certain. I feel like, wouldn't it have just been, like, the skull of somebody that the beaver killed? Isn't that the... That's also possible. (laughs) That's possible. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't need to think too hard about it. Now, Journal 4, though. Let, let's talk about what we're going to induct here. So, Felipe, uh, I, I had said beforehand, if you have anything, it's totally okay if you don't, uh, you are free at this point as our guest to add a creature of interest or thing so, of interest. I don't know if this is, like, where you want to go. But, because I don't think it's technically a cryptid. But seeing that, like, s- like gemstone sanctuary got me th- thinking about, like, natural resources that people enjoy is that a cryptid oh wait this is like interesting mushrooms like oh um, you're talking my language right now i did i never thought oh i'd get i didn't think we'd get to induct this yes oh, that is a good no. answer oh my god no, i was trying to keep it in line with the episode i'm like well there's no mothman in this episode there's no there's no uh i want to see if there's actually a boston-based cryptid but so, uh, yeah, no. some pretty powerful ass crystals I, out there, though. That's a fact. <laughs> no, I like what I actually do like what you're thinking, because I was thinking at first shrink ray. I'm like, honestly, that seems kind of silly. And it's scientific. I don't know anything about it. I thought about like small, like very tiny animals or like very big ones. But that also is like who's I don't know if there's any reports of people seeing tiny animals and stuff like that. It, well, unless they're perhaps on the mushrooms of which you're speaking. I just Googled Boston cryptids uh, because I was curious to also... There's uh, the Boston Bahumagush, which <laughs> I have never heard of, and the Boston Lemur. So maybe you could discuss those on future episodes, but those are my contributions to society. Also, uh, I can... There's definitely Brazilian cryptids. Like, have you ever... You uh, We can talk about Brazilian mythology and folklore on a different day, but uh, that is some stuff that I feel like you two would be fascinated in. Actually, oh, I would love yes. to induct one of those because you have a unique perspective on that, which we're not probably going to have on the show again. So if you have any in mind, I would love to induct one of those to Journal 4. Okay. I don't know if it's a cryptic because it's technically from Brazilian folklore. So I remember watching these like VHS tapes that my parents had of uh, this show, Sitches do Pica-Pau Amarelo, which had some creepy characters, also some problematic characters, if we're being honest in hindsight. And then I think these folklore stories were adapted into a Netflix show recently called The Invisible City, if you've ever seen that one. No. But, like, so I think that's... And they, like, take Brazilian folklore as, like, the crux of it. But if you just Google Kuka, who was, like, a gif, like, five years ago, she was very popular around, like, the queer community found her and adopted her because she's basically, like, a crocodile drag queen. So C-U-C-A, and you can just type, like, she's a... Wait, did you just say crocodile drag queen? Yes, that is her aesthetic. Wait, wait, I am spell it again? So C-U-C-A. Kuka. I, Brazilian. This is related to a One Piece theory in a very weird way that I'm not mm-hmm. going to be able to explain to either of you. 
I'll send you this uh, Teen oh Vogue article from God. June 2017 called uh, A Blonde Brazilian Alligator Meme. Oh, I found could it. You... Oh my gosh, wait. Uh, could Whoever has it up right now, because I have not been able to find it yet, could you just like read the first paragraph of wherever you are and oh, I, I <laughs> give some context? Social media users instantly fell in love with the children's character whose blonde wig, reptilian features, and sassy demeanor provided ample material for the internet's meme makers to work with. But who exactly is she? Then it goes into her. But, like, I need to show you a photo of her, though. Like, you have to I know Google. I'm looking at the photos okay. right now. I just pulled it up, and I am shocked. Anybody who's listening to this right now, you have to immediately Google what this alligator creature... Wait, this is a children's it's- thing? Kuka the yes. Alligator, it's based on a Brazilian folklore legends character. She is a witch who kids and kidnaps and eats naughty children. Mm-hmm. What the I hell? love it. So, okay. So it comes from folklore, but now it has been adapted into... Um, well, so then it became... It comes from folklore, and then it was like a kid's show, because it wasn't a cartoon, because it was like a creepy puppet. Like, the main character creeped me out. Like, her name is Amelia. And she is scary. Like, she is demonic. She is not Chucky levels of creepy doll, but she is, like, there's something off about her. And, like, I, you can just Google Amelia uh, and Kuka, and she's creepy to me for whatever reason. But, and then I think Netflix adapted it into, like, this, like, drama fantasy series, uh, Brazilian series called The Invisible City. Wow. I know there's someone in your Discord who's also Brazilian, so she can also speak more about it because I'm, like, uh first generation american i don't know if she's like brazilian born and raised uh so oh no yeah. i think it's that, i guess sketch. we can talk about her and we can give lucas a minute on to talk about mushrooms uh, well, <laughs> yeah now i don't even no, i'm afraid we should, of going give, we should not give lucas ever time to talk about drugs it's not a good idea <laughs> <laughs> i well <laughs> i've got a lot of questions so okay kuka solidly yeah. i mean i'm trying to figure out how to rate it do i rate because i'm and so the reason that she came to, like, American zeitgeist in the meme culture is because, like, a lot of, like, white gay men saw themselves in her for whatever reason. And, like, it was, like, she, I remember it was around Pride also. So, like, that was uh, a thing. Like, the queer community, like, fell in love with her. And then she became, like, a big staple around that time. Because I remember someone sent me a gift. And I was like, how do you know who this is? <laughs> wow. That's so wild And he to was me. a white gay. So... <laughs> <laughs> I see. Okay, and it's interesting because when we rate the things, we're kind of like rating how likely is it to, are they to be real in this case. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to rate the folklore. I'm going to rate like the idea that there was a creature that could have existed like this a long time ago, and maybe it became what it is today. And yeah, I would put it in the same line as like a chupacabra, which is like comes from Mexican folklore, and like but now like people take it as and it's like she's not as well known, but like she is still like this Brazilian like figment uh that people would know about if you asked them on the streets of brazil sure so i see costumes on the google or images when i look so is there like it is there like one version of kuka that is known by everybody do you know if it's like a costumed character or if it's the idea like that gets this, replicated this crocodile like high puppetry sort of thing like that looks like not like a disney character but like someone that looks costumed in the show that's like the version that i feel like most people would be familiar with visually sure yeah. that makes sense and if somebody did a show on the loch ness monster you know it's not the same thing as the creature mm-hmm. so what i'm thinking is i'm gonna give this a six 
I'm thinking about it in terms of I could see that there is like some kind of a crocodile that was like really either big or weird looking that maybe somebody saw and then it turned into a folklore story and now yeah. it's turned into this over time. Oh, like I a crocodile ate a kid or something. If there's and... a Brazilian drag queen who ever did a Kuka inspired set, I feel like Lucas and I would be there to watch. Oh, I, dude, I'd be there too. Drag Race is my favorite show outside of Survivor. Ever? Fun fact. Oh, uh, I'm not I... even kidding. Outside of cartoons, it's hard to compare yeah. the two. Um, See, but drag I race, love drag I have, race. I have a weird relationship with drag race, and this is going to be an off-air conversation that we can have afterwards. But yeah, like I basically it's oversaturated. Uh, oversaturated. I feel like it's like there's so many shows, and it's hard to keep up with, and it's kind of just like a money-making machine more than an art form anymore. But that's my well, interesting. I lived in Portland I, for two years, and uh, there's a lot of people that I know that were into it, and part of it, I've been part of one myself, and. Uh, it was a lot of fun, all the experiences I had, <laughs> but it was think, a very I surface level like, involvement. Yeah, no, I enjoy the show for what it is, but I also think RuPaul is like more in it for the money than like art anymore. Oh, yeah, well, sure. that's a fair take. And it's interesting, though, there is no Drag Race Brazil yet, uh, which... There's a lot of Brazilian queens, though. Like, the, yeah. like drag is very popular in Brazil. Well, because one of them was on the Queen of the Universe show, which was uh, the singing competition that they did. Um, was it Pablo she... Vittar? No, it was Drag Queen. Okay, Pablo um, Vittar is like low-key like a DC-list celebrity in Brazil, I think. Okay, interesting. Well, see, it feels like there would be the people and possibly the market for it. And I could totally see somebody doing a kooka look on the show if it was ever yeah. a thing. So, hey, make that happen, uh, Drag Race franchise. I, I'm, I'm here for There's it. There's going to be a Brazilian one soon. You just wait. RuPaul wants that money. I will say. <laughs> I went when to he's what? not fracking, he's making money off of Drag Race. <laughs> oh, Whoa! Oh, okay. That's a good That's spot funny. to transition. Luke, yeah. Did you have another thing, Lucas? <laughs> I was just going to say, I actually went to a drag show in Monterey kind of recently, and there was someone named DM Tina, and they played like a Willy Wonka remix for their song, and it was so awesome. It was so, 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 so cool. Yeah. Great. Love it. <laughs> That's okay. my story. Uh, we covered so much here today. Now, Felipe, you alluded to a spoiler section. So Should we do I... plugs first? Yeah, that's a good idea. Because in case yeah. people need to tap out here. Go ahead. Okay, so basically the Brazilian Dragon Media Empire is a podcast thing that I've been building uh, for two years, but specifically since the start of 2022. Uh, on We have the Dragon Babies feed. So if you're already listening to Gravity Bros, that's awesome because they have a great feed. Beautiful cover art. If I do. And also, let's just talk about your theme song. Like a banger, <laughs> if I do say so myself. So shout out <laughs> Tess. No. Uh, yeah, so Tessa's our artist. And I, artist. Should, I, I always say our artist. Like, she doesn't belong to us. I don't know if I should be using that phrase, but yeah. she's an incredibly talented graphic artist who has worked on several of our things. And I'm very, yeah. very grateful that she has helped us uh, with it. Yeah. But she didn't do the theme song. That's someone else? Correct. Actually, that's a, um, that's a, uh, how do you say it? Public domain music. Okay. But actually, she was the one that found it for us. So, okay. so <laughs> more or less. To- it's a banger. I mean, the Gravity Falls theme song is also kind of a banger. Yeah. Um, now, I saw you- it on as 20th on a Watch Mojo top 20 cartoon theme songs. Nice. Okay. And our YouTube theme song, that is done by a friend of mine, Colin, who did a phenomenal job with that, too. Yes. So, um, anyway. So, Gravity Bros has their own individual podcast feed. But if you want to get, like, also the other stuff that we're doing uh, that I'm not involved in, like, I'm more of a producing voice on that. Uh, on Sundays, we have the the Dragon Babies feed has everything Gravity Bros, but also um, on Sundays, we have Pretty Little Liar recaps. Um, and then also, I've been releasing the backlog of Phineas and Ferb 
podcast that we do over on the What You Doing feed, which has its own feed as well. And those usually drop Wednesdays. Uh, we've had like, I was sick, Will was moving, Will has a wedding now. So like, we've been on a little podcast hiatus for the last couple of weeks. But that's my friends, Will and Navi and myself. And you two are also welcome to come on Phineas and Ferb. We're halfway through season two. I forgot how many episodes season two has. So um, it's going to take a, little, a couple more years than I expected. But Phineas and Ferb is a great show. Um, and I feel like it has a lot of similar elements. If you enjoy the comedy of Gravity Falls, you'll enjoy the comedy of Phineas and Ferb. Similar um, timelines. I was going to say, yeah. Phineas and Ferb and Gravity Falls were not yeah. that far off when they were released. Well, Phineas no, and Ferb was early, all. but it hung around by the time Gravity Falls started, I think. Yeah, and it's a lot of like the self-referential humor that I think Gravity Falls enjoys. But then over on the Brazilian Dragon podcast feed itself, the Brazilian Dragon homepage uh, is everything that I do. And I just like to talk about like, nostalgia content that we grew up on so if you're like a late 90s early 2000s kid that's like kind of like the sweet spot so this last week on tuesday we released jimmy neutron boy genius a two, uh, the movie recap um we're also doing we want to be famous a total drama rewatch podcast which you both are booked for future episodes um and that has its own feed as well but we also ha- like we talk about disney channel original movies on there we do the scooby-doo podcast uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series, when it comes back, we'll be recapping those. We do the unhinged movies with Naomi. Um, so, like, if you want to watch a bad movie, watch James and the Giant Peach or Stuart Little, because those movies are so boring. Ooh, um, I rem- oh, I'll bet some people feel attacked. <laughs> I remember <laughs> both of those, but I don't remember them being good. So boring. And uh, people like James and the Giant. Stuart Little was my dropkick award character because he was so pretentious that little mouse can be yeeted across the city of New York City. (laughs) Oh, I gotta watch that. You sold me. I'm going to check that that, out later. So, and also recently I released individual feeds for the Neo movies, Pod Talk Jam and Break, which is the high school musical, the musical show, um, and Scooby Doo. So, those have individual podcast feeds if you're just looking for those. But at the end of the day, regardless of what you subscribe to, if you could go on Apple Podcasts, give five stars to the Brazilian Dragon and all the different podcast channels that we have, it would help people find the show. Um, do it with Gravity Bros as well. Which let yes, me tell you, we need to talk about Gravity Falls to my friends who like know that I have podcasts but don't know. And I would be like, Yeah, I was watching Gravity Bros last night, and they were like, Huh? I was like, So I say Gravity Bros as Gravity Falls more often than I say Gravity Falls as Gravity Brothers. Nice. Oh, we're having that impact. I love it. That's awesome. Um, cool. I'm on social media at what the fleep and in the D- Hester Brothers Discord as well. Nice. Uh, you've got so much going on, and uh, props to you for putting that much work into your. Sorry, one more plug. What? I might be on an RHAP podcast coming soon. If you like Survivor and you like talking about like uh, queer representation or representation in general, but this one's supposedly a Pride podcast, so look out for that in June. Organized by the Great Grace. Fantastic. Okay. Um, only plug for us is to rate our podcast too. Uh, you know, we do the rest and of the your play. YouTube channel because now you have premium content over there. So plug that. Uh-huh, that is true. Uh, if you're looking to become a member of our channel, uh, we Lucas and I would appreciate the extra people getting involved. There are some cool perks there. You can get access to our super secret spreadsheet, which uh, gives you, you know, an idea of kind of the things that we've got cooking in the background. So yeah. Uh, And the more membership contributions we have, the more time Lucas can spend editing. And we all want that. Trust me. (laughs) Yes. What's your editor app of choice? Is it Adobe uh, Premiere? Is it Avid? I use Filmora. Okay. Yeah. What do you you use one? Oh, for podcasts, I use Audition. Like, I'm I'm a basic boy. But uh, in college, we had to familiarize ourselves with Premiere and uh, 
avid. They were like, those are the industry yeah. standards. And I'm like, ah, sucks for you. I don't want to be an editor. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Premiere is, is a standard option. Yeah. I, I like I feel like more. avid, I think, is what they use for some like reality shows from what I understand. Like someone, yeah. like I met a big brother editor at a bar a couple months ago and he said they use avid. So really interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, that's okay. We're okay. going to now break here. If anybody is unspoiled, you can go ahead and take off now. Um, let's move into some spoiler talk, which we haven't done before. And Felipe, what, what have you got to talk about for us today? So my first thing is 10 years down the line, do Dipper and Mabel still think about Gravity Falls? Does Mabel keep in touch with her friends? Like, or was this like a one-time summer camp experience? And then like, cause I'm, I'll be honest. I don't talk to anyone that I went to summer camp with. Yeah. I don't talk to anybody. Well, okay. But you, you, you would talk to your sibling though, at least. Yeah, they would talk together, but, like, yeah, they went through this, like, I mean, they did go through this paranormal activity at this in this town. But I feel like 10 years down the line, it might be more like, oh, that's a thing we did more than, like, oh, like, these are, like, this was this life-changing event. But I don't know. You I know don't know, I mean? man. All of the really crazy paranormal experiences I've had have had a very lasting <laughs> impression on my life, and they weren't half as crazy as what they were dealing with. So, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, that um, part of it will stick around, for sure. But then I wanted to, like, bring up, like, so... I might have made the mistake of going on the Gravity Brother, Gravity Falls, I did it again, Gravity Falls Reddit accidentally when I was Googling, like, so the the episode Dipper versus Manliness, and you talked a lot about, like, toxic masculinity in that episode, but I was like, is there, like, some sort of queer coding in this? So I wanted to research that. And then I ended up on the Reddit, and can we talk about this theory that I feel like a lot of people had based on it, uh, that, like, Dipper is a trans bisexual man? Tell Whoa. me. I've not heard this theory. I, I just stumbled upon it on the Reddit. I was like, wait, is this actually a thing? Like, do people are like, is this like canon? Like, um, and then uh that's just something that like I saw and it was like that Wendy was also like confirmed bisexual. So it was like this show is very queer. Um, and you've talked about the cops, which a cab, but well, I mean, <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Alex Hirsch clearly is <laughs> you know, somebody who's into writing that into his shows, I think that he would probably, yeah. I, I would not be surprised if he was trying to get away with way more than he was allowed to. Okay. Yeah. That's the, that's like the, that was basically my question. It was like, definitely. Is this actually like, is this something you're aware of? Is this something that like is like common knowledge? And I just came to the show. Owl House is my answer to that. Okay. Is that, you... is that his partner who created that? Or is that a different show that they created? I believe it is his partner that created Okay. And Dana Terrace. Dana Terrace is the creator of Owl House, okay. and I don't know. I know that and they I work know on the Lewis show together. is like a bisexual Latina woman, or I don't remember. Watch the show. We're not going to spoil anything for anyone. Oh, I thought that was a first episode thing. My bad. No, no, <laughs> no. Not necessarily. <laughs> but, um, I mean, everyone yeah, so kind of knows just, about it, but it's fine. <laughs> but that was like, so yeah, I wanted to know is like Dipper queer coded in any way. Like, and Wendy, I think he confirmed is bisexual later in the show or like oh. out, outside properties or whatever. But, um, and then the last thing I want to say, which could have been in the non spoiler section, y'all haven't talked about the voice cast. When I found out that Linda Cardaquini, as I call her, um, Linda <laughs> yes, Carlini voices Wendy, I fell out of my chair. I was like, Alec. You had one job. She's she's Velma. You had to let me know. I know. So Felipe, it's That's funny that you Velma? say that. In the live action. I straight. Oh, live okay, action, live Velma. action. Still, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. I know. So I actually had a blip where I talked briefly and just said, oh, hey, uh, I should mention how awesome all the voice actors are, but I don't know them all off the top of my head and I didn't pull it up. But I ended up editing it out because it sounded sloppy and we talked over each other a little bit. So this is a spoiler session. J.K. Simmons. 
he's a great voice actor. He's in Quora. Like, I, I appreciate that they're letting him flex his voice acting chops. Yeah, I mean, Dipper himself is played by Jason Ritter. Um, I know that name, but I can't tell you what he's in. See, I knew him from a show called The Event that was one of my favorites, and it it didn't go anywhere. People, like, I know, I, I can't remember event. her name off the top of my head, but uh, I think Kristen Gar Shar, the the woman who voices Mabel. Um, again, I don't know them all off the top of my head. I hate she, to say she's it. She's a famous voice actor. Um, and Lucas Kristen and I, I, I have I'll to admit, Lucas and I are bad with voice actors in general. Well, Lucas is, it's, you know voices, but you don't necessarily like know the name behind them. And I, know, I, I just can't remember names. I can remember but, faces really well, but not names. And I know names better than faces. Yeah, between Crystal the two Shaw, of us, she's, we'll a, she's also Louise Belcher. Um, if you watch Bob's Burgers, Kristen Shaw. That's who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, the the Triceratops in the Toy Story franchise. Yeah. Not, not Rex. But... She does Sarah Lynn from uh, BoJack Horseman too. Yeah, she's a famous voice actress. The whole voice cast really does such a phenomenal job. And, uh, you know, Alex Hirsch himself voices Grunkle Stan, which I don't know if we've talked about at any point. Um, but, and, and, you know, they've had different um, guest stars coming and going. I'm not going to spoil who J.K. Simmons' character is, by the way, because uh, that's going to be a spoiler. Well, wait, we're in the no. spoiler section. We can. He plays Uncle the Stan. author. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Grungle Stan is Alex Harsh and J.K. Simmons is uh, Ford Pines. But anyway, um, I guess that's about it. Uh, do you have anything else that you wanted to add? Either one of you, really? Um, I mean, I want to know what your spoiler thoughts are since we're here. I mean, yeah. I can probably text you on the side. But, like, is there anything that you've been wanting to say since and now you have the opportunity to do it? All I want to talk about is Bill Cipher. That is the hardest part of this podcast because he's, like, my favorite character in the series. And like, and we've seen him so many times already, just subtly. Was he in this episode? Yeah, we do. Well, you mentioned that everywhere. like Blendon was in all the past episodes. Like, I did not know that. Yeah. Like, and so it, like, I, I did not like. Let me be honest. I watched this after coming home from the Survivor Party last night, so I was like tired. So I was just like, I'm gonna watch this. And so I was not paying the closest attention. Oh yeah. Well, there's um, lots of little details. So maybe I'll rewatch it again. But yeah, like we can't talk about how like Bill Cipher's literally in the intro theme song too, and how sick that is, man. Yeah, if somebody like I... stopped paying attention and forgot to notice that this was the spoiler section. I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> All right, well, thank you everybody for tuning in for this discussion. This was really fun, uh, Felipe. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me, and I uh, thank you for introducing me to the show. This like wonky, weird ass, fun comedic show. I can't wait to do more stuff in the future. Um, yes, y'all are both welcome on the Scooby-Doo podcast, on the Naomi, on anything on the Brazilian Dragon. Like, if you're a secret High School Musical, the Musical, the Musical, the series fans, and you want to talk about Ricky and Olivia Rodrigo and all that drama, feel free to hit me up as well. How did but, you know? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, how did you know? I mean, Lucas seems like he would be an Olivia Rodrigo sour listener. <laughs> great song we're talking about so the good. music that's a completely different thing yeah i don't know i can't say anything about the movie but i, I can get down to the music oh rod heads stand up um uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, I, any of the podcasts we're doing i know you both are coming on total drama soon so yeah cool all right well goodbye everyone we'll see you next time Happy yes spoofing.